want to look at Psalm 61 today. Back in late 1976, early 1977, I don't remember exactly when, uh, I was living in St. Louis, working in Christian drug rehab, middle of a ghetto area, and uh, regularly some of us would, use, would go around the corner to a little church that uh, was meeting in a former laundromat. Uh, I wish I could tell you how ugly it was. Uh, words cannot describe. Uh, give you some impressions. It, it had long, dirty shag carpet. Um, some walls had been taken out, but there were still remnants of the pieces, parts. Um, things that had gone out the walls were just there. But in that group... There were a number of former drug addicts and alcoholics and prostitutes that had found God and would meet, and uh, some amazing meetings used to take place. And I remember one night, a gal started singing this Psalm 61, and uh, it gripped me. It was the most amazing thing I'd heard, uh, this plaintive wail, so to speak, unto the Lord. Hear my cry, O oh God, and tend unto my prayer. And what was amazing to me in that is that my life was completely different than hers. Um, how many know that even if you come out of prostitution, there is a whole lot of baggage and such that needs to be fixed and straightened out? And yet, I'm a white boy who's never tried drugs in a setting that, uh, first job out of college, and yet this psalm is ministering to me just as well. And what I suggest to you is that there is something within each of us that cries out for only the hope that God can bring and the security that he places within our lives. So what I'd like to do is walk through this and, and some of the accompanying passages says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call unto thee. I memorized this in a different translation, and you'll get part of it. My translation had, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You've been a strong tower, refuge against the enemy. Hear my cry, O God. Tend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth, you know, I, I'm not home right now, so to speak. Not at the place of shelter and security and rest. I, from the end of the earth, will I cry unto thee. When I'm not feeling settled, when I'm not feeling anchored, this cry is going out. My heart is overwhelmed or faint. The, the word picture in here is like, something covered with a garment. In other words, the light's out. It's shrouded. Not seeing anything out of this. And, and yet, when my heart is feeling like that, when it's feeling like there's just something covering it, lead me to the place that is higher than I. 
In other words, take me to a place that I can't get to on my own. Take me to a safe place. Guide my steps to a, a, a place where I'm protected. The Old Testament, uh, numerous times, high points were places of protection. You have them building, building shelters within their cities and towers. And it was a great place for the weapons of that day. You know, if somebody get too close, you could throw a stone on them. You could shoot an arrow. But it, they, it wasn't the same battle that we look at. But it was a place of protection. Even in Israel's history, there's an amazing story of Masada, which was developed much later, but actually could have been known by David as he was running from Saul and hiding in places. Remember stories of him running down one ravine and Saul's down the other, but you know, the peaks are high enough and the ravines are such that you're not just going to get to each other. Even the country of Edom next door, they were known for, their, for their, their rocky crags where they could hide out and pick off people and then run back into their safe place. You know, so the, the geography of that region is such that he's saying, take me to this safe place, take me to a rock that's higher than I. The whole story of Masada is kind of interesting. The, the Herod, about the time of Jesus, had built this safe place up on top, a, a rock by the Dead Sea. And they, they put in storage units and all of that. And, and when Israel uh, rebelled against the Romans and there was this ongoing war in the 70s, um, not our 70s, <laughs> their 70s, uh, yeah, there was a lot of Paisley and stuff. You just wouldn't believe it. No. <laughs> You'd have been amazed at our clothes back then. <laughs> we had nothing on us. <laughs> Where in the world was I? Uh, Masada. It remained, there was a group of zealots, about a thousand of them that, that were on this thing. And the Romans got so hacked off on them, they built a rampart or siege works to get up to them. And when they were finally going to break through, the people on top all decided to commit suicide rather than to, uh, to have the Romans mistreat them. And, and so that's, that's stuck in Israel's memory for years and years in history. In fact, Moshe Dayan used to take the Israeli defense forces up there to swear them in. You know, just say, you know, remember, the world may be our enemy, but we're going we're gonna to endure. And we're going to keep at it, you know. And, and so these are the kind of stories that are a part of their heritage. And so this David is looking and saying, Take me to a high place. Take me to a safe place. Some place I can't get to on my own. You've been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. You are my protection. You're my hope. You're my security. You're my safe place. He says, let me dwell in your tent forever. In fact, take me there and let me stay there. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. 
you know, like a bird protecting its chicks. He says, let, let that be the place of security for me. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. I made this commitment to you, and, and let, me, let me live with that heritage of all those that, that fear you. This fear is kind of an uh, interesting thing of our day, isn't it? I mean, trying to wrestle through First uh, John, it says, perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, there's been a tension in the church. Well, is, it, is this New Testament? You know, is it a change of things, or is it old? Well, I want to suggest to you that... that one person that I was reading said over 300 times fear is attached to our relationship with Lord, the Lord in regard to reverence. So you best not just chuck it out, but you better try to see how those two interact. In fact, in 1 John, you know, what he's writing about, he says there's no fear of the judgment. There's no fear of standing before God at the end of times because his love has is, is brought health to you. He's, he's set you free. But even in this lifetime, there's this knowledge that the Lord disciplines those he loves. Like Hebrews 12 says, you know, as a father disciplines his child, so the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he says in us, there's a, a fear and a reverence and appropriateness of this, where in a sense, when we acknowledge our offense and the shame of it and say, okay, your way is right, there's a reverence in that, it says, I will follow your ways. But I want to, um, this, this came up for me this week. Uh, uh, I was around Josh Madison, and somehow it came, are you ever afraid? And uh, going, yeah. Like, well, when? And I've, I dropped the ball, so you're getting part of the fix. <laughs> um, you know, I knew that he was wrestling some with fear of the dark. And so I said, you know, there have been times even when I was afraid of the dark, you know, and I, I, I have a specific memory of being out hunting one time and, uh, you know, battling with my fears. And it's like, I'm holding the gun. <laughs> but, but you're walking into the woods and it's like, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, these unnatural fears start flooding your head or... or or one night I stayed too late and got off the trail, and, and I'm having to follow the moon to get out of the woods, and it's like everything in your head is screaming, this is not right, this is wrong, this is, you know, and yet you know all you have to do is just keep following that light, so to speak. But that said, um, I think all of us probably encounter fear every day at some level. I mean, not to be an adrenaline junkie and just say, well, let's see what we can do. But there are, every time we take something on, there's a challenge to it, right? And yet, if there's a confidence in the Lord that he's guiding our steps and sheltering us and protecting us, there's an ability to look at things and say, I can do this. Or I need to challenge this. I need to go after this. And so the fears of this life don't have the grip on us that they would, except that we have a reverence for God and a knowledge that He's over us. It's a wonderful thing to kind of step into that. I'll, uh, I'll read a couple New Testament 
passages that say that this just isn't over, but it's still something that we work through. Philippians, Paul, who, who's had a heavenly encounter. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about it 14 years after the fact, and he's still grappling with it. So it must have been pretty amazing, you know, enough so that he's still kind of walking through the, the interaction or the dynamics of it. 14 years, you'd think, well, that's plenty of time to figure out an experience. No, it was significant enough that it's still marking his life. But in another book, he's saying, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying, you've come to Christ. You have his peace in your hearts. Later in the book, he's going to rejoice in the Lord always. You know, so he's, he's recognizing the value of this, but he says, there's something going on even now. He says, Continue to work out your salvation. Know that as God's interacting with you and he's straightening things out, there may be portions of discipline. You, you owe him a respect and an honor that says your way is right, even though I don't get it in this moment. And, and regularly we make those decisions that are right decisions, even though they don't seem like the decision we want. They don't, they don't have the... Uh, sense of an immediate joy, or they don't have the, the, the stamp on them that says, this is going to be exciting. It's, mo it's more just a thing of saying, I know he's right, and I know this pays off, and this is what I need to do. And, and we, we work through that process uh, in our lives and just saying, if this is, this is appropriate in him, this is what I need to do. And, and regularly, later, the feelings and everything else come with it. You know, the knowledge that this really was a good choice. I didn't see all the dynamics then, but boy, what a relief. And we keep doing those things over and over. And the more we make that decision toward and the better it is. Paul, speaking of the ungodly, says there's no fear of God before their eyes. I went back to trace this quote and I thought the 36th Psalm was valuable enough that in comparing these two things and to just acknowledge that even in the Old Testament, they're wrestling through these things. It's not easy enough just to say old and new, but there's this tension was there even then. And I, so I'd like to read this Psalm. I've heard a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There's no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. So this is the mark of the ungodly. He says, you know, they're caught up in themselves. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. Listen to this transition in this psalm. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice is like the great deep. You, O Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. With you is the fountain of life. Your light is the light we see. Continue your love to those who know you. Your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the foot of the proud not come against me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. 
See the evil doers lie fallen, thrown down, not able to rise. He pulls these things together. Says there's an appropriateness for respect unto the Lord. Fear, if you will. But then he moves into a, a declaration, amazing declaration of the love of God and his faithfulness. So there is a tension that we walk through in life and we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But a knowledge of the wonder of who he is and the appropriateness of following his dictates. Back to Psalm 61. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. Here's where David seems to take off, where he's not talking about himself anymore. He's, he got caught up in this thing of, let me dwell in your tent, or let me be in your presence. And then somehow he has this picture of the Messiah always before God and, and forever and ever and ruling with him. And, and so he's off and running in, a, in a, this picture of heaven like he tends to do, and we're left several thousand years later going, how on earth did he get there? He's crying out at the beginning of the psalm, take me to a high place, shelter me, protect me. I'm, it's like I'm at the end of the world, and, and I don't know what to do. But somehow he starts thinking about how wondrous it is that God does shelter and protect, and the thought of living with him forever takes over. The thought of dwelling with God captivates him to a point where, yeah, that other thought, yeah, I was, it was kind of, I was in despair and misery, but man, can you imagine what it's going to be like? Can you picture what it'll be? And suddenly the rest of it just kind of loses, loses its impact. I want to suggest to you that for our fears of every day, and the things that we encounter, whether it be through our relationships or the, the work or the, whatever we take on, those things diminish as we catch a glimpse of who he really is. The importance of those things kind of falls away. It's been stated, if you fear the Lord, you need fear nothing else. There's truth to that. As you learn who he is, and the impact that he has on your life, as you embrace that, there's really no need to, to let the other affect you. You know, it, it does not have the same impact and ability. It can't. Because the promise of eternity with him far exceeds anything else that could be done. We thank you for these psalms, Lord. We thank you for these passages that speak life. We thank you for a writer like David that coined it so well. I pray for each one here, Lord, in dealing with feelings of unsettledness or darkness, so to speak, of wrestling through fears of this life. I pray that confidence would be built in who you are and your great love and faithfulness that endures through all things. Lead us to that safe place, we pray. Shelter us under your wings.
I was um, working on this this week, um, I, I spent a lot of time looking at this whole topic of fear. Ten pages of verses and all of that, but it doesn't go anywhere except that we take it to God and say, this is something that I'm dealing with. Lead me to that place in you where I feel secure in your care and provision. And so I'd encourage you, each of us has different areas that we wrestle through. That's just the reality of life. But the same answer is there for each of us. So I want to encourage you this morning, whatever it is, whatever the complications of life are, in the Lord, there's opportunity to see this changed. If you're wrestling with that and you'd like someone to pray with you, grab someone that you trust and say, would you mind praying with me regarding this? I'm having trouble releasing this and I need to. Or it may be a situation where at some point in this, you said, you know what? I'm one of those arrogant people. I've been running down this path and you know what? It's the wrong path and I need to change direction. There is hope in the Lord as we turn, allow him to deal with our hearts. I'm going to pray for God's blessing on you. There is a meal downstairs. Just encourage you, this is open-ended worship. Stay as long as you desire. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy you're relieving them of their fears and insecurities with the knowledge that as they reverence you, that's sufficient. I ask the Lord for each one as they go into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others, that they might draw many to you. I ask that their deeds be fitting with the workings of your kingdom. Enable them with the supernatural as well. Be exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.